Uh, so we'll kind of just review a little bit of last week's stuffs. Um, but the main thing to uh, that I want you to take away from last week is whenever we talk about sanctification, you really need to think about holy, being holy. And in that, that is the will of God. Hagiosmos, and we'll see that in this text, but it is, essentially, it is the will of God that we are holy. And it is who He is. He is holy. Um, therefore, it is His will for us to be holy. So 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, uh, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the insignificant things of the world, and the despise and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, uh, so that He may nullify the things that are, so that no human may boast before God, but it is due to Him uh, that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us uh, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord so verse 30 there but it is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus so those that are in Christ Jesus who become to wisdom who become to who became to us wisdom from God and also righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So what Jesus brought to us, we are also to partake in. And we can't do it unless we are first in Christ. Remember when we uh, taught, or whenever I preached about it, I taught more about our uh, sanctification, which is positional, and then it's progressive. But without it being positional, us being in Christ, our holiness comes from Him because we are in Him, it will never be progressive. It will never be something that we are to work out or that we are working out in our own lives. Okay? So, and it is the will of God that, you know, Peter says it is the will of God that no man should perish, but all to have eternal life. And in that, we become holy just as Christ was holy. All right, so another one, um, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2.13 says, uh, But we should always give thanks to God for you, um, brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for, his, for this He called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on the traditions which you were taught, whether by the word of mouth or by letter from us. So, this kind of, um, this summed it up really well. This in, in red was a quote in there. It says, if atonement is the basis of the Christian life, hagiosmos is the moral form which develops out of it without which there can be no vision of Christ. So if you don't have, you know, holiness in your life, you know, you have no vision of Christ. You have, if you have no desire to be holy, no desire to be like God, then you've not, you have no vision of Christ. 
the term hagiosmos is always distinguished from hagios and hagizahin um, by the emphasis on the moral element. So, first of all, um, let's see here. So, this is, oh, i got to get used to this. Here we go. This one is kind of like what we talk about as far as the, the holiness or the set apart. Did it stay on there? No. Okay. Um, so that first one, let me see if I can do it in a different, well, it goes back there. Okay. Uh, so this one. So this is like what we think about. The term to be for holiness, uh, consecrated, to be, um, to be, to become the will of God, to do exactly what he has called us to do. It's always different. And this is the reason why I kept going back to saying, always think of it as being holy, okay? It always goes back to being holy or pure, that type of stuff. And it's always distinguished from these other two by the emphasis on the moral element. And those other two uh, have to do with more of the, um, the cultic, religious, being set apart because it's, for some religious element of worship, okay? There's always a difference there. And then that last one, the one that's a little bit harder to say is really like it's like being dedicated, uh, like if you were taking your, uh, who was it was taken to the temple and dedicated to God and he stayed there with the priest, Samuel. Samuel. Yeah, so that was another way of being consecrated, okay? It's the same word. It kind of takes on the, uh, a little bit of the same meaning, uh, but the first one, the hagiosmos, is the one that is really, it is the, I think they put it, um, the holiness, the interest of deity and consecration. So it is what we should think of as God. God is holy. He is set apart completely. Okay. Um, I was thinking there. Hold on. Well, what happened here? I thought I had one more. Uh, oh, I, I didn't do the very first one. I was on the wrong one. Uh, so here it is. I think this one really, uh, I think it does have um, talks about the will of God here. But First Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's it. Your, the will of God is your sanctification. Now what does that mean? That is... Uh, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one violate the rights and take advantage of his brother or sister in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you previously and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but in sanctification." Therefore, the one who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. So this is kind of what we, we talked about this one last week. Um, so whenever somebody says, well, I just don't know what the will of God is for me, you can say, it's for you to be holy. 100% every single time. The will of God is for you to be holy, to be sanctified. Um, and how do you do that? There you go. Um, 
And the opposite of that is found here in verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity. So we went through a lot of words last week talking about how can we talk about this. And we talked about pure cleanliness, godliness, all these different things. And so you can also take those words and say, well, what does sanctification not look like? Well, being impure is one way, or impure. Um, so we think of the sanctification of God, that in our life, it is simply to be holy, to not sin. That's a little bit harder to wrap our head around. But that is the will of God, is for us to, to not sin at all. Okay? Everybody's good with that, right? Everybody's got that worked out. Okay. So we're going to talk about initial sanctification, um, progressive sanctification, and then final sanctification. Um, the middle one, the progressive sanctification, is the one that we probably normally think about. But here again, sanctification is positional before it becomes progressive. If you're just trying to skip the positional part, not trying to go through Christ, and you're just trying to do the progressive sanctification, you're looking at a works-based salvation. Okay, you're just trying to be good enough. Okay, um, you may be a, an ethical person or a, even a moral person for, I guess, lack of better terms, but you're not in Christ. You do not have the sanctification uh, of Christ. You're not holy. Um, so then that second uh, statement there, sanctification is soteriological before it is a moral concept, which means it is salvific. You know, that is the, the initial sanctification I told you is when we are in Christ, it's at that point that we are sanctified or set apart. Um, sainthood happens at the day of our justification, our sanctification. We are saints at that point. Now, we don't make too big of a deal about that, but we are. We're considered saints uh, to God. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, uh, Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the spirit of our God. All that happened all at once at the point of salvation, um, the initial sanctification. Um, and then Hebrews 10.10, which is where um, we were whenever I was preaching, says, by this will, we will have been sanctified. Once again, by this will. Whose will? God's will. Um, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, all time. Um, and that's where it really, that's where it's done. When we're talking about initial sanctification, we'd stop there. It is done for once and for all time. It is 100% complete. God, when He sees us, He sees holiness. Not based on us, but based on His Son. Okay. It's through His blood that He sees us as being holy. Uh, and then uh, keep on going. It says, verse 11, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, uh, which can never take away sins. 
But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting uh, from the t that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. And then there again, we'll also see in verse 14, this is where uh, it kind of moves more into the progressive sanctification, the part that we're, we're I, I would say, more familiar with. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So in verse 10, that word sanctified is in the um, perfect tense, which means it's happened, it's done. One time, for all time, it's over with. But in the verse 14, it's in the present tense, which means it's kind of continuing to happen. Um, so that's the reason why we, this is a good verse to contrast the initial sanctification and the progressive sanctification because it grammatically you can see that one happened at one time, it was done, the effects carry on, but also because of that, we also have the present tense in verse 14 because we are going to be continually being sanctified. Okay? Um, and this was a, this is how they kind of summed it up. Uh, it says, because believers do belong to God, because they have been sanctified, they are called upon to experience sanctification and to, shine, to uh, shun uncleanliness. The relationship of sanctification to progressive of sanctification, or the initial sanctification to progressive of sanctification. There's another scenario of the theological indicative slash imperative motif. And I'm going to try and, uh, well, we'll go to it first and I'll go back to it. So what does it mean as far as the indicative and imperative motif? So that's really fancy, but it's not. You know, in, indicative, imperative. You go back to grammar, you know, indicative is just a statement, you know, it's true normally. And then an imperative is a command, right? So that's what it's talking about. Think about, hey, you are holy, be holy. That's what it, and this is not, we can't so much, I mean, we can see it uh, grammatically throughout looking at the Greek and all that type of stuff, but this is more of a theological idea of the uh, indicative slash imperative motif. Uh, so it says the fact of what God has done or what he has promised to do becomes the basis and or the incentive for us to exercise that responsibility to do, namely to make progress and holy living. Okay? Um, I'm horrible with analogies and all that type of stuff, but think of it like this. Um, if you're a professional basketball player, you're already on the team, on the sideline, playing in the game. Right? You're a basketball player, right? Well, you don't stop there. You continue to practice and run and stay in shape, right? Well, since you are a basketball player, you continue to practice. So it's kind of like, a, hey, if you want to keep being on this team, you're going to do certain things. Well, in this sense, well, since you are holy, you're going to do certain things. You're going to look different. It's kind of an old man, new man type deal. Since you are, this is what's going to happen because it's commanded of us. So that's just the indicative imperative motif. Uh, and it's um, really seen in Deuteronomy 7. Um, so it says, For you are a holy people, 
to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not make you His beloved nor choose you because you were greater in number than any of the peoples, since you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which He swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His faithfulness to a thousand generations for those who love Him and keep His commandments. But He repays those who hate Him to their faces uh, to eliminate them. He will not hesitate towards him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Okay? That's, that's God. That's who he is. That's the indicative part. Now verse 11. Therefore you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. So because of who I am and everything that I've done for you, you are mine. I've chosen you. Now, keep my commandments. So that's an indicative imperative motif. Same thing with sanctification. You're now holy because of what Christ did. Now act like it. Basically, that's what he says. All right? Questions so far? Everybody, is that a little bit clearer? I feel like I, the past two times I've taught, I've kind of screwed that up completely. And hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. All right. Um, so now let's move into the progressive sanctification. That initial sanctification is one that I've really not given a lot of thought to. And so that was the one whenever I started looking at Hebrew, I was like, wait a second. And we had talked about it in a test. I think Jordan sent us a test like, is sanctification a one-time deal? Is it progressive? Is it positional? Is it, and it's like, well, yes. I mean, you can't get around that it's both. Um, but progressive sanctification, I feel like, is more what we know uh, or what we've heard growing up, maybe. Um, find that in Ephesians 4, 11. It says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Who's that? All those that are in Christ. Uh, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, that is Christ, for whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's progressive sanctification. That's when we finally make it there. Okay? And the whole point of our sanctification is to glorify God. That's it. It's the building up of the, the church in love and also to 
uh, glorify God. All those things should be reflective of our life. No longer children. Should be growing the mature man. Um, acting in love. Speaking the truth in love. I spoke the truth a lot of times. Don't know how much love was behind it, but hopefully I'm a, I, I, I like to con think I'm a little bit more gracious and loving than I once was. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all uh, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, uh, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So we are being transformed into the same image as Christ, and Christ was the exact radiance of the Father. So if we call ourselves saints, if we are the chosen of God, believers, we should look like God. That is progressive sanctification. We should become more and more the image of God, the image of Christ. So it says uh, the continued work of God in the life of the believer. Sanctification, that's what sanctification is. Sanctification as a process by which one's moral condition is brought into conformity with the one's legal stature before God. Once again, you're holy, look like it. You're holy, it should start matching up at some point, the way you act and the way you are and who you are. Should become into the legal status before God, us being saints. It uh, designates not merely the fact that the believers are formally set apart or belong to Christ, but they are then to conduct themselves accordingly. They are to live lives of purity and goodness. So we can't just look back and say, well, we're set apart of God. We're God's people. Done. No. We've got to be uh, conducting ourselves accordingly as God's people. Living lives of purity, goodness, godliness, patience. Man, patience, definitely. Um, God being very, very patient. We should be some of the most patient people in the world if we sit back and really think about it. Alright, so final sanctification. We're getting through it pretty quick um, because I, I thought last week I threw a, a whole lot at us. I felt like it was kind of drinking from a fire hydrant type deal, so I tried to keep it simple tonight. Final sanctification. The only real argument here is what we have the we have progressive versus perfectionist. So you know there are certain denominations that say I no longer sin because I'm a child of God, I'm a saint. I no longer sin. Okay, I don't I'm not the judge of that type of stuff, but I don't see you acting like God all the time. So Whatever. I uh, definitely think we are more into uh, the fact that there is the stages of initial sanctification, progressive sanctification while we're here, and then final sanctification is only going to be obtained when we're dead. Now, we will one day look like 
Christ. We will one day have the same um, mind as Christ. Uh, we do have that now, but because of our sinful nature and our flesh, it kind of works counterintuitive to it. And so we don't always uh, act like we do. Um, 2 Peter 1, 3, and I think, I think Scripture plainly tells us about progressive sanctification and that we do not, we've not reached it yet. If there was no such thing as progressive sanctification, there was the initial sainthood and we're never going to get any better from that, then why is there so many scriptures about our sanctification and becoming more like Christ? There would be no more becoming. If we got it at the initial, we're done, we're as sanctified as we're ever going to be, why is there verses about being sanctified? Second um, Peter um, 1 Peter 1.3 says, For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now that verse, you can think, okay, we've got it. We're done. No, it just simply says that we have, through his power, we've been granted it. That doesn't mean we always access it. Okay, We have the power to not sin. We have the power to be 100% holy, but because of the flesh and our sin. Romans 7, 14, Paul, here you go. Uh, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly, sold into bondage to sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing, for I am not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. However, if I do the very thing that I do not want to do, I agree with the law, and the law is good. But now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me. There's no good in Paul, he says. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want... I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. So he's saying, like, I have the power to to not sin. But I know me, and I know that my wants and desires are to sin. And I do it. I don't want to, but that's who I am. Um, I'll never forget, um, I think it was the last year I was uh, there in Korea, I told the kids, I said, listen, all I ever want y'all to remember about this crazy math teacher is Christ loves you. Jesus died for you. That's all I ever want you to think. I don't ever want you to think that I'm good and that I'm not a good person. And their eyes just get so big thinking, what, you're not a good person? No, I I know my heart. I know who Cody is better than anybody. I know I'm not good. Christ is the only one that's good. And they were just like, you, you, can't, you, don't say st- you can't say stuff like that. You know, you don't say that type of stuff in this culture. You don't say that you're a bad person. Well, if we truly know who we are, we're upfront about who we are. Um, even Paul, even me, anybody here say, I, my heart, it is a constant battle to do good because we're evil. Um, we we want to do good. We should want to do good. We should want to be like Christ. But that stinking flesh 
my stinking heart. Um, so, we've not reached final sanctification yet, praise God. It gets better than this. We don't have it uh, completely yet. We have the power to be, but we still deal with the flesh. All right. Last one. I think this is one of the main ones. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. And that basically means, think about all the sacrifices that you did to be right with God. Well, take those away. Now your whole thing is to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Holy. That is it. To do the will of God, that is now your sacrificial worship now. Instead of bringing a lamb or whatever, it's just for you to, to live a, a life of holiness. Uh, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Holy. Okay? So we're not there yet. We will be at the point of I like the, when our faith ends in sight. That's when we will finally have complete holiness, complete sanctification. We will finally do the will of God without question. And there's only, I mean, absolutely, there's only one other person that's ever done it, and that was Christ. And that's the only reason why he could be an acceptable sacrifice for us, because he was holy. He did not deserve it. We're the only ones that deserve to die for our sins, and he's the only one that took the wrath of God because of our sins. Okay? Questions, comments?